Jesus is there praying on our behalf. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that there are people around about us that are in need, that we never have a shortage of, of people to pray about. And, Father, we bring them before you today. Lord, for those of us who have uh, relatives that are struggling with issues in life, whether it be family members or extended family, health or, or uh, finances or jobs, we just name them before you today privately. Father, you know who they are. We ask that uh, for those that know you, they'll not lose their focus on you, that they'll keep their focus on Jesus and that you'll provide them with the answers to the needs and the questions that they have. And, Father, we pray for those that don't know you that somehow their eyes will be opened to the truth that the answers can only only be found in Jesus, that uh, the answers to their difficulties and their situations can only be found through knowing the plan that God has for us through faith in the Lord Jesus. And, Father, we pray for the situation around the world in numerous places, some that we see day to day on our TV screens, others that are happening but they just don't seem to make the popular news, where people are, being, are suffering because of the pride or the power or the ego of others. In some places it's the ideology of people that don't get on together. And, Lord, we ask that the Prince of Peace, Jesus the Prince of Peace, might somehow come into their lives, that they'll reconsider who Jesus is and make him Lord of their lives and allow his peace to flow into their lives and to affect the communities around about them. We pray for that, that for our own country, our own nation, Lord, that where there's inner tensions, whether they be political or, or social, that, Father, the people will look to Jesus and see the answers in him. For ourselves, Father, we we struggle with issues from day to day, from time to time. Some of our own folk are are struggling with health issues, Lord, and and I pray that the focus will never be on the issue, it will be on how you might see them through that time or or heal them if that's your will for their lives. Father, we pray that, that people will focus on Jesus, and that's what you've told us to do. And so, Lord, as we come to your word today, I pray that our hearts, our minds will be ready to hear what you have to say, even from a familiar passage. And, Father, that, uh, that we will hear clearly from you and respond appropriately in obedience to you. This is my prayer. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said last week, thank you to the fellows that have preached while we've been away on holidays. It's been great to hear some feedback from people as they've been... Uh, hearing what God's been saying to them. Well, this morning is the last series, last last, uh, sermon rather, in the series, Seeing What Jesus Sees, looking through the Gospel of John for this year. Because we're only up to the end of chapter 17. There's a few more chapters to go. So guess what? Next year, we're going to do the last few chapters of John's Gospel. But today we're going to be focusing again on chapter 17, uh, the guys have looked at that over the past few weeks and uh, I've got uh, a uh, mistype up there. It shouldn't be 9 to 26, it should be 15 to 26. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 17, the last part of Jesus' prayer as he prays for us, his people. And it's, uh, I don't know what God's been saying to you as you've looked at John chapter 17 in particular over the last few weeks, but it's so deep and there's so much in it that we have to pull it apart and see what God's saying to us. And I hope that that's what will happen today for us as well. Did you realize that John 
wrote about this last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, right from John chapter 13 through to the end of chapter 18. All that section in John's gospel is about the last night that he spent with his disciples. Six chapters devoted to one night, almost a third of the gospel. That's, that's significant, isn't it? Because Jesus had some preparation to give to his disciples. Remember, he saw these disciples of his. They'd been following him, walking with him, listening to his teach for three years or so. And now he is giving them the, the final teaching before he heads to the cross. They're about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane, but before they crossed over that brook of Kidron, the Lord paused. He looked up to heaven and he began to speak to his heavenly Father. This prayer that we've looked at in John chapter 17 is the longest prayer that we have recorded of Jesus' prayers. And so it's significant that the Holy Spirit led John, the writer, to record this prayer. Now, have you ever thought about why didn't John record all the other prayers of Jesus? For some, he did, some of the shorter prayers, but, but there was times when Jesus went aside within earshot of his disciples, and John was one of those. Why didn't John record some of those prayers as well? I don't know the answer to that question. But certainly at the end of John's, John's gospel, he says, if there was more that could be written about Christ... It would fill the whole world with books. So we have a smidgen. We have a sampling of what God really wants us to know about Jesus. This is a most important prayer. As Andrew looked at it last week and as we looked at it today, God wants us to see how our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, prayed on the night before the cross. So what did he do first up? What did he first up? First of all, Ah, that was my summary of the last things that I've said. He prayed for himself. At the beginning of John chapter 17, verse 1, he said this. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. So he prayed for himself. And again, a few verses later, he said this. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So it was this intimate conversation between Jesus, the Lord, the Saviour of the world, and the Heavenly Father. Look, talking about the plan. It was really talking about the plan that God had for Jesus in coming to this world. He came from glory to show us what God the Father was like. So Jesus was asking his Father for the glory that he rightly deserved. But it was going to be an ugly start to the answer of this prayer, wasn't it? He was going to face the cross before he faced the resurrection. But then he goes on in the rest of this prayer to address the disciples of the time, the people who would believe the disciples of the time, and those people who would believe because of the message of the disciples, those people that are yet to come. So he talks about that in the rest of this prayer. We're included there, by the way. We are part of those that are yet to believe in Jesus according to this prayer. This is what Jesus said to the Father in verse 6. He prayed for his followers. He said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. The disciples, 
those disciples and the other disciples that, apart from the 12 that were following Jesus throughout that time. And then he goes on in verses 9 and 10 and says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. And then he said this in verse 20, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus began to pray for all Christians. He began to pray for us. He began to pray most of his prayer. This prayer is for us, this second part. He prayed for our protection. And uh, uh, Andrew mentioned he prayed for our sanctification. But he also prayed for our mission, our purpose in this world. So we're going to be looking at some of those things this morning. Just those three things. He prayed for our protection, for our sanctification, and our mission. That's where we're going. And remember, he prayed this for you. He prayed this for us. He prayed it for me. You think God might answer Jesus' prayers? I think he would. So are we seeing those answers in our lives today? We should be looking for them and seeing how God has answered that in our lives. Verse 11 of uh, John 17, if you've got your Bible there, then uh, you might like to follow along with it. We're going to read from verses 15 to 26 in a moment. But verse 11 says this, our protection. He says, I will remain in the world no longer. He knew what was coming. But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. Jesus is praying for our protection. What do we need protecting from? I think, first of all, we need protecting from ourselves, that we don't see ourselves as the primary purpose or or primary reason for living is to, to do our thing, our ego, our pride. But he's also praying for protection from any influence that would distract us away from following God's will for our lives. So Jesus prays for our protection. He prays for our unity. And this, this word protection means, Father, keep your eye on them, guard them, protect them. Jesus prayed for our protection. So it's not wrong for us to say, Lord, protect me. It's not wrong for us to say, Lord, protect me. He's already prayed for that. But he also prayed for our sanctification. Now there's a big word. Remember what sanctify means? Andrew, what does sanctify mean? You remember? Set apart for God's purposes. Absolutely. Washed, cleansed, made pure, set apart for God's purposes. So Jesus prayed for the Father to make us holy or sanctified, or pure. He prayed for the Father to make us like our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was sinless through and through. And when we come to faith in Christ, what happens to our sin? It's forgiven. We're washed clean. We're made whole. And that's how God sees us. He prayed for our sanctification. In verses 16 and 17, he said this, They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. What's the truth? God's word. God's word. And where do we find God's word? In the scriptures. 
So we need to be sanctified and know the truth of the scriptures. And then in verse 19, he goes on to say, For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus continued to be set aside for the purpose of God. In a way of saying, I know what's coming. I don't like what's coming. But I'm prepared to do it because that's what I'm here for. I will do what I'm set aside for, for God. So he did that for our sake, that we might be truly sanctified. How are we sanctified? I said that earlier, through the truth of God's word. We are sanctified by the Holy Word of God, by the Holy Spirit at work in us, in our lives. Paul wrote about that in 2 Corinthians. He wrote about that in this verse. He says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we are being sanctified like Jesus is sanctified. We are being set aside. That doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we make mistakes. It doesn't mean we're disobedient. But we're in the process of becoming that. When's it going to happen? When we're face to face with Jesus. We'll be like him. He prayed for our protection. He prayed for our sanctification. He also prayed for our mission or our purpose. And what do you think that might be? Four be good if the typist got it right. Verse 18 in chapter 17 says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now he wasn't just talking about the 12 disciples or the 11 disciples. He was talking about all believers, that we are sent into the world for a purpose. We're going to look into that in a moment. Jesus prayed for our protection. They were... He prayed for our sanctification. He prayed for our mission. Then he also had some an urgency to his prayer that he was praying for us. And we're going to look at particularly at that this morning, that urgency. Would you like to read John chapter 17, verses 15 to 26 with me? I'll read the first verse, or I'll read the first screen, then you can read the second screen. How's that? So we've, we've, we know these verses. We've heard them uh, a lot over the past few weeks. But this is what Jesus says. My prayer is talking to his heavenly father. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Why don't you read this? As you sent me into the world. Is that you? Have you believed in Jesus because of the message of the disciples? We have it written for us in the word of God. So Jesus' prayer was for us. Verse 21 says that all of them, all of us, may be one, Father, just as you in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Next verses. Please read them. I am them and you and me.
yes. That will be wonderful, won't it? When we see the glory of Christ, when we see him face to face. And the final verses say, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So Jesus prayed some certain things in those last part of John chapter 17 that are urgent things, very clear things. The first thing he prayed for is that we would have unity. Other people have described this as harmony. Don't be afraid of those words. The unity and harmony harmony is through Jesus Christ. This was a, a great priority of the Lord. He wanted us, uh, and certainly in John's gospel, John emphasized that in these in this last this last night of teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples. He wanted us to be in unity, to be in harmony, to love one another. Do you remember John chapter 13 and verse 34? It says this. Sorry. I jumped ahead, did I? I missed it. Okay. John chapter 17, verse 11. I must have missed one. John 13, 34. I'll read it. You know it. A new command I give you, that you love one another. So as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then John 15, verses 12 to 13 says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus was telling us there's, there's no greater love, there's no greater that sense of unity and harmony than being prepared to be there for each other. And Paul said something similar in Romans when he wrote, Owe no one anything. Expect, except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. I think I must have skipped a few pages in my PowerPoint, so we will catch up. 1 Peter reminds us of the same thing. So it was a, it was a theme of the New Testament writers and preachers. And 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. The King James says, love one another fervently from the heart. So this is this unity, this harmony that Jesus was praying for. The second thing that Jesus prayed for in that last part of his prayer was not just for our unity or harmony, it was for that sense of purpose. The reason that we are his followers. That's what he prayed for. John chapter 17, and I'll see if I can catch up with there. There we are. There we are. I filled in a couple extra verses. There. All right. He said this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they be also in us so that the world may believe that you have sent them. What's the purpose of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we might live in such a way that the world may believe that God sent Jesus. I wonder if that's evident in our world today. There are some things that we can be one and in harmony about, but there's lots of things that we disagree on, as even as Christian people. And one of those, the things that I think we need to emphasize on, which are the 
the baseline, if you like, for those things that we need to be in unity and harmony about, uh, how much God loves the world. How do we know that? Because he sent his son to die for the world. Jesus died on the cross for all mankind, not just for those that believe in him. He took that punishment for their sin, for our sin and disobedience, and he rose again from the dead. And that everybody who believes in him will be saved. That's the bottom line, isn't it? There's lots of other stuff that's added in there, but that's the bottom line. That's where the unity and the harmony that Jesus was praying for lies. I think that we've moved a long way away from that, and we've got all different people doing all different things. But that's what the, the unity and harmony are based on. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. But he goes on. Oh, I really jumped ahead. He also prayed for our future home. It's a good, it was a good week this week. You can see how jumbled up my PowerPoint is. But I'll get there. All right. No, way, way out. Okay. The third thing that Jesus prayed for when he prayed for our unity and harmony was that he prayed about our future home. Chapter 17, verse 24, we read it earlier. It said, Jesus said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. He said, I want those. Now, the picture behind that word want is, I've got it in my mind. Ah, thank you. Judy found it for me. He said, I've got it in my mind. I, I have this desire, my wish. I'll be, I'll be delighted about it if you would give them to me so that they might be where I am. So he's talking about a future home in heaven. And remember back in John chapter 14, he talked about that. Let's see if I've got it up there. There we are. Thank you. These are verses that are often used at funerals, but they're, they're hopeful verses. John uh, recording Jesus teaching about what heaven's going to be like. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What's it going to be like? You know, I've got a study by David Jeremiah at home, all about heaven. If you want to borrow it, it's got a, D, it's got a DVD series as well. And it's amazing how much the Bible talks about heaven. And we should really be uh, aware of what the Bible says and what God's planning for us in eternity. Does it sound great? In my father's house are many rooms. Uh, uh, one of the translations says there are many mansions, so I don't know what they might look like. But I did some research this week. One of the most expensive houses in Atherton is currently on the market for uh, $1.8 million. Who wants to buy it? Anyone want to buy it? Yeah, it's not bad. It's five bedrooms, three bathrooms, and most importantly, eight-car garage. But it's a bit out of most of our league, isn't it? I want to tell you something. Heaven is going to be better than that. We won't have to worry about car parking spaces. 
Will we have to worry about bathrooms? I don't know. Anyhow. But God's got a plan for us that is going beyond what we can imagine in this earthly world. And Jesus is saying to the Father, please make sure they're there. Please protect them, guard them. Please make sure they're aware of the home that's being prepared for them. I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So Jesus goes on in this prayer to pray about our full hearts. He prays for our unity or harmony. He prays for our future home. He prays for our full hearts. He wants us to be full to overflowing with the knowledge of him, with the experience of walking with him day by day. In John, in chapter, uh, in verses 25 and 26, we read this. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. He wants us to know that we don't have empty lives as followers of Jesus. We have full lives, full to overflowing. There's that song we used to learn in Sunday school, my cup's full and overflowing, running over, running over. And certainly David captured something of that when he wrote the 20, what we have is the 23rd Psalm, when he said, Lord, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the prayer that Jesus echoes. My cup runs over. Jesus wants us to have lives that abundantly overflow with the good things of God. He doesn't pray for ease and comfort, by the way. He prays for that knowledge, that purpose, that mission, that full heart. And in doing that, in verse 26, he talks about knowing that we have that love that God has for the Son, that we have that same love in our lives. It's that agape love, total self-giving for the other person's benefit without any expectation in return. He says, I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you love me with may be in them and I in them. It's the kind of love that John 3.16 talks about. For God so loved the world. It's the kind of love that 1 John 15.13 talks about, that Jesus said that he was prepared to lay down his life for his friends. That's the sort of love that will give us that fulfilment. Jesus prays for that. He prays it for us. I wonder if we are experiencing that. Are we full of love? Are we full of that Experience that knowledge that Jesus loves us to the point where he went to the cross for us so we in turn might show that to others as well, being prepared to love people, not necessarily like them, but certainly love them for who God's made them to be. John chapter 17, we said that, that the love you have for me may be in them, that I myself may be in them. Best description of love that I've come across is 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard that before many times. It says, love is there. Love never fails. And that's the love that God wants to have for us. But the last thing he prays for is that we might be full of the Lord, that we might know Jesus day by day, that we'll walk with him, we'll hear his voice. He might be in us, just like he and the Father are connected. And I pray 
that we will be listening to the voice of God through his Holy Spirit. I pray that we might hear the prayer of Jesus echoed in our hearts and minds. Because that's what he's praying for us. That we would have that unity, that harmony based on who he is. That we would have that protection, that sanctification, that fullness of love, that fullness of Jesus in our lives. That's the prayer. He prayed all this on the night before he went to the cross for us. As if going to the cross sealed the prayer, as it were. We need to say thank you. We need to look for how that prayer is being answered in our lives. We wouldn't be here as, as his disciples, as, as believers, as Christians, as his followers, if he hadn't prayed that prayer and the disciples hadn't gone and told the story of Jesus to the world. What an incredible responsibility we have to do the same. Let's pray. Dear Father, we pray that just as Jesus prayed, we'll be aware of the things that you are doing in our lives. Lord, thank you for that <coughs> common ground that binds us together as followers of Jesus, as, as Christians, that Jesus alone is the means of our salvation. We thank you for the truth that he gives us and, and reinforces in our lives day by day. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's the one who convicts us and encourages us and energizes us to live the way you want us to live. I pray, Father, that the, the love of Christ, the person of Christ, will be modeled in our lives to one another, to our families, to the people around about us, that they might see that Jesus really is the saviour of the world and they might glorify God as was the original plan. Father, we ask this for your glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Bob and the team.